tell them that we have a very, very successful podcast. <laughs> and to not I tell across you. I tell everyone <laughs> about our successful podcast. And to be completely honest, mm-hmm. they are way more impressed by it than I expect them yeah. to be. Yeah. You have a podcast? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. It's As called fa- Paranormal. And welcome to it. Hello, <laughs> welcome everyone. I'm super sick and I'm Marie. And I'm super, super hungover and cannot speak and I'm Nicolina. She's still drunk. Sorry guys. <laughs> I went to a Bills versus Pats game today. I waltzed into Buffalo as a Pats fan, like the asshole I am, and um, (laughs) I drank since 6.30 this morning. Oh my god. And then decided that podcasting tonight would be a great idea. Yeah. And Marie's like, are you sure? And I was like, Mm -hmm. come on over! And then my phone died, and I slowly realized that was a bad idea. That's fine. I'm just sitting here with like my medicine ball tea from Starbucks. Nice. I'm just sitting here with my very transparent legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, how was your week been? I did just see you like yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's um, actually, I feel like Libra season was more of a Virgo season for me. The yeah. first week of it was extremely productive. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, I don't know, like a shadow period of Virgo season mm-hmm. or something. Because, um, yeah, I did a lot of work. I got a lot of work done. And we did some stuff for the podcast. That's Which really exciting. exciting. Guys. Guys, we have to tell you something. Yeah, it's not like you're going <laughs> to break the news that you're like guys, with child. Guys, <laughs> you... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have some exciting news to tell you. Woo! Nicolina and I are going to be having a live show. Live. Live. We're doing it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Yeah. On October 25th, so right near Halloween. Yep. So it'll be aired on the 29th of yep. October. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a, a Hamilton. Um, we're, we're recording it live. At a um, store called The Witch's Fix. Yeah. Which I'm sure you can all kind of gather what that what is. What they sell, yeah. What they sell. Lots of Witchy. Uh, witchery and witchery. Tar- tarot. Yeah. Uh, tarot <laughs> And just all the mystical stuff yeah. that we all love. Yes. Um, so it made a lot of sense for us to host a live podcast um, and tell tales of our hometown ghost stories. Yeah. Tickets are not for sale. You can't. It's a very intimate, exclusive event. It's a very intimate and exclusive event. It's just that there's like very limited space for people. Um, So yeah, we just wanted to let you guys know that one of our upcoming episodes is going to be a live one. And we're super, super excited about it. And I think we're also, um, because obviously the Witches Fix is kind of doing us a a solid. a solid by letting us host it there and giving yeah. us like some like local hometown exposure. Mm-hmm. We'll probably purchase some items and oh, 100% do a giveaway from one of her. For sure. Absolutely. We'll be doing that. Yeah. Yes. There was a print there that I'm buying for yourself back for myself. Yeah. No, there are mul- multiple things that I want to yeah. buy for myself for other people, but like there are so many things that I know that our listeners are going to love. Oh my god! That I'm like, I so really cool. am excited to do a giveaway for yeah. that. Yeah, there was a, a jinx, like a a jinx removal kit. Yeah, and I immediately took a picture and sent it to my sister because we believe that she had jinx. Has She's been, been jinxed her entire her. life. Yeah, yeah. So we're very, anyways. Yes, it's very exciting news. 
thanks to the Witches Fix for letting us record there, and um, I'm so excited. Like, nervous, excited. I'm really nervous. Marie's extremely really nervous, excited. so send her positive messages. Yeah, send me positive messages. Tell her you believe in her and that you probably don't believe in me, but I'm not nervous. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and we've got a really good hometown haunt today. Sweet. And, yeah. I'm I don't know what it is. I know. I'll read it to you. Um, not right now, obviously. That's for later in the show. Yeah. But you guys, if you guys have hometowns, don't forget to email us. It's paranormalpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Do that, please. Yeah. Do you want to dive right into horoscopes? Let's dive right in. Okay. I'll do yours first. Okay. An unexpected invitation from a friend could have you taking a short trip, perhaps to visit this person. Conversations with friends should prove interesting and enlightening. A part of you may be forever changed for the better. New interests, perhaps humanitarian, could come your way. Whoa. It's a busy, satisfying day. It Damn. Was a busy day. That's wild. So, I mean, I didn't go visit someone in Buffalo, but... I definitely took a short trip with a bunch of friends. Yeah. And was invited by a, like, a friend, like, yeah. randomly a couple of days ago mm-hmm. to go to it. To it. Um, and I do feel changed for the better because yeah. of it. Um, also, humanitarian-wise, I am very newly into the humanitarian cause of our climate change and crisis. Yeah, thanks to Greta. Yeah, Greta. I love her. Um, and I'm not really sure why... Uh, our older generation needs to, I don't know, cut her down and shame her for no reason because she's trying to change the world for the better. The hilarious part is that people are like, what's the worst that could happen from what she's preaching? Yeah, what what are you worried about? The earth gets better. (laughs) Like, what? What are you scared of? I don't understand. Yeah, so yeah, that's kind of, yeah, very on point for me. Good. Um, Good one. Okay, so, Gemini, today you might be more attracted to unusual art forms. Perhaps exhibits of local artists have caught your attention or may have developed a taste for alternative music. Movies with a lot of special effects could also appeal to you. If you're so inclined, this is a good day to start learning about any of these fields. Uh, I was really sick today. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually, I spent my entire day in my bed. Yeah, so My husband brought food to me. Mm. I didn't do, I did not get out of my bed except to use the bathroom a couple times. Right. My cats stayed with me at all times. They're very, very concerned. Um, but what is. This is is how dedicated she is to this podcast. (laughs) She got out of bed just for this. Honestly, I thought to myself, would I rather do it tomorrow and then have to record and edit all in one night? No. 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 Because I'm probably going to be still sick tomorrow. So that's just going to be even shittier. Yeah. Um. But the only thing I can think of that I was, like, going to change up was, honestly, my wardrobe. Like, I was going to literally do, like, a full haul on my wardrobe and change up my style. Yeah, I'm not really sure that matches. Well, Art forms, maybe, attracted to unusual art forms. Fashion is a form of art. It is. It is. It is. All right. Let's dive right into the episode. Okay, let's do that. Um, We are doing something different today. We're doing stories about pilots. So I decided to do the story of Frederick Valentik. And I will tell you guys the story now. Okay. (laughs) Beautiful. So on October 21st, 1978... 
during a training flight over the Bass Strait between the Australian mainland and Tasmania, there was a young pilot, he was 20 years old, mm-hmm. Frederick Valentic, and he disappeared. He was flying a light aircraft, and he was a reasonably skilled pilot. He had clocked about like 150 hours flying time. Okay. So this should have been a really easy training session for him, but it soon turned very mysterious. At 7.06 p.m., he radioed the Melbourne Flight Service and reported that an unidentified aircraft was following him at 4,500 feet. The service looked into it, and they saw something very, very strange. There was no traffic near him at all. Oh. Yeah. But he insisted that he was looking at a large, unknown aircraft near him. Okay. It had four bright landing lights that were all illuminated, Mm -hmm. and he told them that it had passed a 1,000 feet above him and was traveling at a very high rate of speed. So here's part of the transcript. Okay. Okay. Valentic. Is there any known traffic below 5,000 feet? And then this says Roby, so I guess that's the guy there. Mm -hmm. No known traffic. Valentic. I am, seems to be a large aircraft below 5,000. Roby, what type of aircraft is it? Valentic, I cannot confirm. It's got four bright, it seems to me like landing lights. The aircraft has just passed over me at least 1,000 feet above. Roby, Roger, and it, is it a large aircraft? Confirm. Valentic, uh, unknown due to the speed it's traveling. Is there any Air Force aircraft in the vicinity? Roby, no known aircraft in the, in the vicinity. Okay. For the next five minutes, he continued to dictate the unknown aircraft's movements to Melbourne Flight Service. He was saying that it moved towards him, that he thought the other pilot was toying with him, and that it was orbiting above him. Back to the transcript. Valentic. It's approaching right now from due east towards me. It seems to me that he's playing some sort of game. He's flying over me two, three times, at at times speeds that I couldn't identify. Roby, Roger, what is your actual actual level? Valentic, my level is four and a half thousand, four five zero zero. Roby, and confirm you cannot identify the aircraft. Valentic, affirmative. Roby, Roger, stand by. Valentic was then able to give a further description of the mysterious aircraft, and he described its exterior as shiny and metallic and said that it had a green light on it. Valentic, it's not an aircraft, it's... Roby, can you describe the, um, the aircraft? Valentic, as it's flying past, it's a long shape. I can't identify more than that. It has such speed. It's before me right now, Melbourne. Roby. And how large would the um, object be? Valentic. It seems like it's stationary. What I'm doing right now is orbiting, and the thing is just orbiting on top of me also. It's got a green light and sort of metallic, like it's all shiny on the outside. Silence for five seconds. Valentic then says, It's just vanished. Would you know what kind of aircraft I've got? Is it, mil- is it a military aircraft? 
Shortly after first radioing the Melbourne Flight Service, he reported that he was having engine trouble. The radio officials asked him again to identify the other aircraft. Roby, confirm the, um, the aircraft just vanished? Valentic, say that again? Roby, is the aircraft still with you? Valentic, it's, uh, no, it's, now it's approaching me from the southwest. The engine is, is rough. It's idling. I've got it set at 23, 24, and the thing is coughing. Roby, Roger, what are your intentions? Valentic, my intentions are, um, to go to King Island. Uh, Melbourne, that strange aircraft is hovering on top of me again. It's hovering, and it's not an aircraft. Silence for 17 seconds. Open microphone with audible, unidentified noise. The last sound that the radio officials heard was a metallic scraping sound. What? Yep. The radio officials thought that he crashed, but they did a sea and air search of the area where he was last reported, and they found nothing. What? Yep. So did he get gobbled up? The Australian Department of Transport looked into his disappearance, and they found nothing. There were a few reports of civilians seeing planes landing or flying overhead, but in the end, the disappearance was presumed fatal, and the case was closed. Five years after he went missing, an engine cowl flapped washed ashore on Findlers Island. Or sorry, Flinders Island. Uh-huh. The Bureau of Air Safety Investigation noted that the part came from the same type of aircraft that he was piloting and that it had serial numbers within the same range as his plane. Okay. After the disappearance, Guido Valentic, who is Fred's father, told the public that his son was an ardent believer in UFOs and often worried about being attacked by one. UFOologists oh. claim that he was abducted by aliens. They say that there are eyewitness accounts of the green lights that he saw moving across the sky in the area that he was last reported being. The case was a topic of conversation amongst conspiracy theorists for almost 40 years, even though no new information was ever collected until 2014. A UFO action group in Victoria, in Australia, claimed that an unidentified farmer saw a 30-meter aircraft hovering over his farm the morning after Valentic went missing. He also claimed that Frederick Valentic's missing aircraft was stuck to the side of the UFO and was leaking oil. So he saw it the day after. The plane was still stuck to the side of the UFO and it was hovering above his field. The only problem with this is that the UFO group never learned the name of the farmer. Oh. They have been looking for him. They have been looking for him since 2013, but they haven't identified him yet. Even though there are recurring reports of UFO sightings and UFOologists insist that Fred Valentic's disappearance is extraterrestrially related, yeah. there's been no real explanation of his disappearance, and the mystery continues to haunt Australia's conspiracy theorists today. And I got my info from the Skeptical Inquirer, All That's Interesting, and Art 19. And that's The Mysterious Disappearance of Frederick Valentic. Fucking crazy. I think he got abducted by aliens.
that or there was something literally that they couldn't like there was a someone in his flight path that wasn't registered but they would have seen it yeah right the, of like... course yeah 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 that's fucking cray mm-hmm. um so i'm doing a pilot type episode i mean there's more than just pilots with this one but um yeah. we had brought this up and i don't remember what episode it was that i discussed this I think it was, oh yes, it was the Ouija board episode. Okay. We talked oh, about how right. there was one pilot that was communicating <clears throat> through Ouija boards. Mm-hmm. So this is the episode, this is the story of that um, flight yeah. and the sightings of the ghosts from um, Flight 401. Right. So this is from Confessions of a Trolley Dolly. That's the website, website? that I got it from. Okay. Um, so in the 1970s, Tales of such ghostly apparitions flew around the U.S. and the airline world. Passengers, cabin crew, pilots, flight engineers, even top airline executives all claimed to have seen something while traveling on some Eastern Airlines aircraft. But before we begin this spooky tale, we must first go back to December 29, 1972 on Eastern Airlines Flight 401. As it descended towards Miami after its flight from New York, John F. Kennedy Airport. The mood on the four-month-old L-1011 was upbeat. 163 passengers and 13 crew members were looking forward to enjoying New Year in the Florida sunshine. The TriStar, as the aircraft was also known, was one of the most modern and technologically advanced of its day and the pride of the airline's fleet. The flight from JFK had been uneventful, but as the crew prepared for landing, the first in a chain of events occurred, which would eventually lead to the loss of 101 lives. First, Officer Albert Stockstill was instructed to lower the landing gear. Alarmingly, the crew noticed that not all of the wheel indicator lights had been turned green, had turned green. Captain Robert Bob Loft believed that it was just a faulty light bulb. So Stockstill began to remove the bulb, while flight engineer Donald Don Repo went down into the Avonics Bay, or hellhole as it was referred, situated below the flight deck to visually check if the gear was down. As the pilots attempted to resolve the issue, they failed to notice that the autopilot had disengaged and they were now slowly descending towards the Florida Everglades. The TriStar was traveling at 227 miles per hour when it slammed into the alligator-infested swamp just outside of Miami. Many of the passengers were killed instantly, and those that did survive faced an agonizing wait for rescuers to reach the crash site. First, Officer Stockstill died upon impact, but both Repo and Loft survived the initial crash. Repo was rushed to hospital, but later succumbed to his injuries. Tragically, rescue was also too slow for Captain Loft, who died at the scene. The subsequent investigation into the crash cited pilot error as the main cause. The crew failed to monitor the altitude as they tried in vain to deal with the undercarriage problem. Tragically, it was later revealed that the nose wheel had indeed been locked in place and was just and it was just a faulty bulb. Although the majority of the airline, aircraft was destroyed, certain parts, such as the galley, were salvageable. 
Eastern and Lockhead, Lockheed agreed that these parts could be reused and fitted into other TriStars on the production line. So now these parts were put into other aircrafts. Got it. One such aircraft was N-31-8EA. Mm-hmm. And as the weeks and months passed, strange going, goings-on began to occur. JFK Airport, 1973, and an Eastern Airlines TriStar was boarding for its flight down to Miami. Traveling that morning was one of the airline's vice presidents. As a VIP passenger, he was allowed on to the aircraft first and made his way to the first class cabin. As he moved towards his seat, he noticed a company captain in full uniform and went over to have a chat. During the ensuing conversation, he suddenly realized he was speaking to Bob Loft. The apparition quickly disappeared and the vice president rushed off to find a crew member. No way. Terrified that it could be an omen that something would happen to this aircraft. Oh my god. A search of the plane was carried out before any other passengers boarded, but there was no sign of the mystery captain. A A few months later, back at JFK, a crew boarding the same aircraft were surprised to see Loft already sat in the flight deck. They apparently chatted to the the ghost, not realizing who he was, before he vanished right before everyone's eyes. The flight was later canceled as the crew were too shaken to operate. Oh my god. Yeah. On the L-1011, flight engineers would usually arrive at the aircraft before the other crew to carry out their pre-flight checks. This particular day, a flight engineer was stunned to see an Eastern second officer already sat in his seat. He immediately recognized him as Don Repo, and the apparition said to him, you don't need to worry about the pre-flight, I've already done it, before disappearing. Oh my god. (laughs) Some weeks later, another captain was checking the instruments before a flight from Miami to Atlanta. Staring him right in the face was the unmistakable outline of Repo's face. The captain claimed he distinctly heard the words, there will never be another crash on an L-1011. We will not let it happen. During a flight from Atlanta to (laughs) Miami, that makes me sad. Yeah, sorry. From Atlanta to Miami on board N-31-8EA, the flight deck crew were enjoying their meal as they cruised at 39,000 feet. Suddenly, there was a loud knocking coming from the hellhole. Oh, no. By now, the ghostly stories had been circulating around the company, and the crew were reluctant to look. But the knocking continued, and as the flight engineer opened the hatch, he was horrified to see the face of Repo staring back at him. No. 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 I'm sorry. That is... That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that is terrifying. Terrifyingly, this was where the engineer had been when the flight when flight 401 had crashed. Like, can you imagine hearing the knocking and just ignoring it and ignoring it and everyone else heard it too? Oh my fucking god. And then you open and it you open and open it and the guy face. just fucking looking at you. He's like, "Listen, I'm not going away. I'm knocking for a reason." Oh fuck. Okay, keep going. And so it wasn't just flight crews that saw the ghostly um, apparitions. Okay. On one occasion, several caterers loading N318EA for its next flight were seen rushing off the jet and refused to get back on. When asked why, they all stated that they had seen flight engin- a flight engineer stood in the forward galley before vanishing. 
Passengers also reported strange occurrences. A woman sat next to an Eastern pilot who said looked ill, called a stewardess only for the pilot to disappear, and she called a stewardess only for the pilot to disappear. Another lady summoned a crew member as she was concerned about the unresponsive pilot sat next to her. Oh my god. Oh my god. The man once again disappeared, leaving the passenger hysterical. Oh my god, no. Could you imagine? No. <laughs> the unresponsive pilot next to her. No. After these incidents, both women were shown pictures of the dece- deceased 401 flight crew. Both identified Don Repo as the crew member they had seen. Oh, God. So far, the majority of the reports of spooky goings-on and ghostly sightings had been swiftly swept, swept under the carpet by Eastern. What airline would want passengers thinking that their aircraft were haunted by dead well, no flight crew shit. who perished on the pride of their fleet? Although the airline had point-blankly refused to believe the spooky stories, the sightings were all reported to the Independent Flight Safety Foundation, who later commented, the reports were given by experienced and trustworthy pilots and crew. We consider them, them significant. Eastern went on to warn employees that they could face dismissal if they were caught spreading the ghost stories. Oh, no. But then one incident changed everything. No, no, no. <laughs> Flight 903 had just taken off from JFK en route to Mexico City. Stewardess Faye Merriweather was in the galley preparing the meals for the passengers. As she reached for the handle of the oven door, she was horrified to see the face of Don Repo staring back at her. Not one to panic, she briskly made her way to the front to get another stewardess and the aircraft's engineer to come with her to take a look. Sure enough, when they returned, Repo's face still stared out from the oven. No. Although now it looked like he was trying to say something. Suddenly, all three clearly heard the apparition mutter the words, Watch out for fire in this plane. No. The flight reached Mexico City safely. I have goosebumps. But on the return leg, problems began with the starboard engine. Oh my god. After an inspection, the aircraft was cleared for takeoff. But as the plane climbed away, the engine failed and backfired several times. Oh my god. It was quickly shut down before it caught fire and returned to the airport. Oh, thank god. Thankfully, no one was hurt during the incident, but the crew were understandably very shaken after what they had seen in the oven door. Holy shit. As the sightings became more and more frequent, rumors circulated that pilots and crew refused to fly on the L-1011s that had been part that parts of the doomed jet fitted. Paranormal investigators requested numerous times to be allowed on board the aircraft to see if they could be recorded. The airline continually refused. However, all of the salvaged parts from 401 were later removed from the suspect jets. The ghosts of Bob Loft and Don Repo were never seen again, but their haunting words to protect Eastern's L-1011 fleet came true. In the years after the crash, until the airline's closure, there were no other fatal crash on the TriStar fleet. Whether you believe in ghosts or not, it is quite nice to think that those dedicated pilots may have kept the rest of the L-1011 fleet safe. Um, N-31AEA, later went on to fly for Hong Kong carrier Cathay Pacific, 
Cathay Pacific and Eastern Airlines was consigned to the history books when they ceased operations in 1991. But the stories of the ghosts of Flight 401 still circulate today. Wow. So next time you're sat on a plane and you feel a chill before asking the cabin crew to turn the heating up, take a look around and see if someone sat in a pilot's uniform. Be sure to take a close, closer look. It could well be the ghost of Captain Robert Loft or Second Officer Don Repo. Oh, my God. Fun. That was a great story. I love that one. Yeah. They were pretty badass for, you know, yeah. being like, I fucked up once. I'm never going to let it happen again. Oh, my God. But those are pretty vivid apparitions to be seen by so many people, people speaking. communicating with them. Yeah. Fucked. Like, you can't really, I don't know, like, that many times. Yeah. Like, and the, obviously the flight crew were warned not to talk about it. Right. So the fact that passengers were then also seeing it. Without even knowing these stories yeah, because they, they weren't, weren't even allowed, allowed to, to circulate it. the information. Oh my god, that's nuts. So, that's pretty cray-cray. Mm-hmm. Um, Alright, it's time for our hometown haunt. So, this one says, Hi Marie, my name is Haley and I'm from Florida. I can confirm it is as weird of a place as everyone says it is. <laughs> First off, just wanted to say that I love this podcast. I found it a couple weeks ago and I've been on a paranormal binge at work ever since. I may or may not be too scared to listen at home, at home, lol. I have some creepy stories I thought I would share starting with my own. Some background on me. I work in a science field and I consider myself to be a very logical person. I grew up around my mom's very Italian, very Catholic family in New England and supernatural stuff terrifies me. Sounds like me, just not New England. Yeah. Any... Go Pats! Yeah. Any movies or TV shows with elements of religious horror really freak me out. I don't fuck with demons. I'm strongly opposed to Ouija boards, etc. Same girl. All that being said, I find that I'm often drawn to stories of the paranormal, ghost hunting shows, and haunted history tours. Basically, I think there's some spooky stuff out there, but I leave the hardcore investigating to the pros. Despite my fear of the supernatural, things always seem to happen to me. Ugh, why? According to my mom and older sister, when I was a little kid, I would tell them I saw statues almost everywhere we went. I have no memory of this or what I was describing as statues, but I do remember being terrified of my bedroom when I was younger. I never liked to be in my room during the day, and I couldn't sleep in there at night. My bedroom always felt colder than any other room in the house, and I was just scared to be in there alone. As I got older and heard these stories again... I dismissed it as part of my active imagination and a very active air conditioning unit. Fast forward several years to 2013, and I was in Austin, Texas with my sister and aunt. We decided to take a walking tour around the city's downtown area, and one of the stops was the Driscoll Hotel. The Driscoll is one of Austin's historic landmarks and an absolutely magnificent Romanesque-style building. A cattle rancher named Jesse Driscoll opened the hotel in 1886 with the goal of operating the most luxurious hotel south of St. Louis. My sister and I love history, so we were pumped to get the chance to see the hotel without having to spend the money to stay there. We head into the main entrance and the lobby, as predicted, was gorgeous. 
Our tour guide led the group over to the grand staircase and started talking about the hotel's history. As soon as I stood by the staircase, I felt really weird. I'd been fine all day, but suddenly I was hit with a wave of nausea and my head was pounding. I told my sister and aunt that I was going to go sit down in one of the chairs across the lobby and my sister said that she would go with me. As we moved away from the staircase, she said, man, my head hurts. I agreed and we both felt better once we separated from the group. When we joined up with our aunt again, she told us that we missed a cool part of the tour because the guide started talking about the hotel's supposed hauntings. She told us that guests sometimes hear children giggling or see the ghost of a little girl who is thought to be the daughter of a senator. Apparently, the girl died in the hotel after she fell down the grand staircase chasing a ball, the same staircase that both my sister and I felt physically ill standing next to. It was mad creepy. Needless to say, I'm very glad I didn't have to spend the night there. Anyway, that's my haunted hotel story, and I hope you got a kick out of it. I have a few other scary stories of my own and some extras that I've heard from family members, so I may be writing to you again. Keep up the great work and stay spooky, Haley. Thanks, Haley. Thanks, girl. Send send your other stories. Send your other ones. I want more. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, were you ready for Fuck, Mary Kill now? Yeah, we are. All right, let's do this. So, I mean... You can go first, because I just read last. Sure. Um, I forget if you were going to do one of these people, though. It's okay. I'll just choose something different. If okay. Want. So, guys, we're obviously doing, like, airline pilot. Famous pilots. Famous pilots. Okay. So, we're going to go with Amelia Earhart. Yeah. Howard Hughes. Okay. Were you going to do Howard That's Hughes? That's okay. I can pick another one. Okay. Okay. Um, and... Bob Hoover. Okay, let me see. Amelia Earhart, Howard Hughes, and Bob Hoover. Yes. I'm going to kill Bob Hoover. Okay. I'm going to have sex with Howard Hughes. Okay. And I'm going to marry Amelia Earhart. Cool. Okay. So, fuck, Mary kill. Jimmy Doolittle. Okay. Charles Lindbergh. Yes. Or... Louis Blériot. Louis Blériot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to probably kill Jimmy Doolittle just because he looks kind of mean. Okay. But he could be a great guy. Okay. I don't know. Okay. He just, that, the photo I have of him just doesn't really okay. do it for me. Um, I'm probably going to... Mary Louie. Okay. Because that stash is on point. Yeah. And I will have sex with Charles Lindbergh just because he looks young. Yeah. Like my age young. That's what I would have done. Not like not like an eighty year old. I'm with you. Cool. Sweet, sweet, sweet. This was really short for some reason. It was a short episode. My story was really short. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that short. But I'm not feeling well anyway, so yeah. I don't mind. Um, we also cut out our banter at the beginning, like a lot of it, <laughs> for you guys, because you hate it. A lot of people like it. I, I know, it's true. Time. It's true. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. Again, we have a live show coming up. You guys will get that episode on October 29th. Um, it's pretty much like invite only, so yeah, it's an intimate and interactive for like 
our closest fans. Right. That are but I think, us. like, this is going to be, like, a really the cool jumping something. something yeah. special. I agree. I mean, we already have something special, but, like, something even more even special. Even more special. Yeah. And um, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. It's at ParanormalPod on Instagram, at ParanormalPod underscore on Twitter. You can follow our personal accounts. Mine's at Splendora underscore. Mine's at Nicolina Savelli. And send us your hometown haunts if you want to be featured on our next episode. It's paranormalpod at gmail.com. And you can also donate to our Patreon if you feel so kindly to do so. If you'd like to. Because yeah. we will soon be, you know, maybe not. Maybe we will. No, no, no. We soon will. We will be. I just, we, I really dropped the ball on that one. That's We're supposed fine. to get some stuff for everybody, but. We are going to. I think that this this live show is going to be a jumping off point for that. Yeah, I agree. So, okay. Um, yeah. All right. That's showbiz, baby. Stay spooky, my friends. Bye.